Hello, everybody, and welcome back to once again another Bare Necessities podcast. We're glad to be back with you this week, and I'm sure you guys will also be glad to be back with us this week because we have a large range of interesting topics. First things first, the Chicago Bears return to training camp on Tuesday. So Reese and I will be giving you our thoughts and updates about what is going on with the Chicago Bears and how it could be potentially complicated with COVID-19. Secondly, the NFL has not been very receptive to players' concerns regarding COVID-19, leading to many stars of the league speaking out. So Reese and I will give you our thoughts on that as well. In the back half of the show, we're going to be talking about potential training camp surprise cuts and also going over what the Chicago Bears need to do in order to reach the Super Bowl. But before we get into the show, we have a quick couple of updates. If you are a new listener to the podcast, please subscribe. We post episodes every Monday and Thursday. And also go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Chicago Bear Necessities. The link will be in our description. We're putting out a bunch of exclusive content on there in the near future. If you guys want to reach out to us regarding anything, go ahead and message us on our Instagram, Chicago Bear Necessities. Uh, give us topic ideas. Go ahead and just talk about us, what you like about the show, what you think we can improve. And if you also have any of those ideas, go ahead and leave us a rating and review in the description. That helps us out tremendously. So we hope you guys like the increase in post volume and we are excited to be bringing you the best Bears analysis across the entire Chicago Bears season. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. Reese, how are you doing this week? Pretty good, man. It was uh, an interesting weekend. I was expecting to be sweating all the time, and then it ended up just raining. So it was kind of a interesting bag of things, but you know, I guess you take what you can get out here. Yeah, you know, it's been really weird weather-wise in Chicago, something that I'm definitely not used to in California, where it pretty much never rains. It seems like it's in... Uh, a continuous cycle of slightly raining, slightly sunny this past week. It's been very strange. Typical. This this week we have a ton of interesting topics to go over uh, in this podcast. And finally, we've actually had some decent NFL news, um, some decent storylines. The first one being the Bears are finally, they finally have dates to report to training camp. And that begins Tuesday, July 21st. All rookies will report. And then on Thursday, July 23rd, the quarterbacks and injured players will show up. And then on Tuesday, July 28th, all other players will finally be back. So I'm excited to see this actually come to fruition. We'll see if this ends up working out. Um, I know in Chicago, COVID isn't you know, it's not too bad right now, but we're definitely on the upswing and it seems like we will need to shut down at one point or another. I think today we had about 1,500 new cases um, and it's going to be uh, pretty lucky if this doesn't somehow infiltrate into the Bears training camp. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's a lot to ask all these players to to not really interact or not, you know, go align with the guidelines that everyone else is going with. So I I think, you know, in one way or another, there's definitely going to be a few players that get, you know, infected. It's just going to be, you know, managing that and trying to keep that as low as possible. You know, I think people are just going to have to look out for their teammates and realize that, you know, the health of everyone is what's, you know, at stake. So, you know, I think the Bears are usually a pretty responsible organization, but, you know, you never know how this is going to play out. 
Yeah, and it's something that's extremely unpredictable at the moment. I mean, it seems like I think the NFL said they so far had like 75 players actually show positive. Um, and it's going to be something that we're going to continuously have to monitor. You just never know when COVID is going to hit and how severe it's going to hit. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that one player gets it, the entire team could be out for two weeks. And that's it's pretty startling as an NFL fan to have that be a potential, you know, it could wreck a team season. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, I think, you know, football is an interesting sport, you know, compared to, you know, other sports we've seen resume, like soccer, you know, baseball's about to start back up. And then, of course, we have the whole NBA bubble situation, but really no sport has as big of a team as, you know, the NFL, you know, or football in general, right? You know, we have, Mm -hmm. you know, reporting the training camp is going to be like 90 players. 53 players. Well, yeah, 90 players, 90 players to start out. And then, you know, once the season starts, it'll be down to 53, which still isn't a small number. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, I think a lot more risk, you know, inherently just when you start adding in more people. And I'm surprised that the NFL hasn't considered more creative measures in order to maintain safety for the players so far. I mean, we talked extensively about how, you know, bubble cities might work better, getting everyone to play in the same place, even though it might be inconvenient for players. I mean, if I was making $10 million a year, I'd be pretty okay with playing in a weird state or weird country for one year to make that money um, rather than having it all be lost to COVID and having no game checks or whatever that may be. But, you know, ultimately, it's going to come down to if the NFL can maintain safety protocols, how well they're testing. There's going to need to be extensive testing. But hopefully, we'll get to see this Bears team on the field for the first time since uh, that, I mean, that pretty boring Vikings game. What was that in, like, November, December? Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, dating all the way back to to week 17 you know late december there you know everyone knew exactly what was going on i don't think the bears really had a playoff chance at all at that point i think that was a couple weeks past so yeah it was a pretty pretty uneventful game and you know i think that it's gonna be good to see some of these players back in action of course just to be able to see some kind of positive movement right i mean we weren't allowed to see any you know mini camp no otas so that really makes the NFL offseason, you know, drag, drag by, you know, I mean, you know, the football season wraps up in February with the Super Bowl and, you know, most teams aren't even in the playoffs. So you're kind of doing a long wait, you know, in the NFL offseason regardless. And then when you don't have any of those other offseason programs, it just really drags. Yeah, and it's truthfully kind of unfortunate because we are actually you know what we should be celebrating right now because we made it through the nfl dry period pretty much from the time that the draft ends and like we didn't even have a supplemental draft this year but from the time the draft ends to training camp it's just such a boring newsless time i mean that's how you get rumors like raheem mozart getting traded who <laughs> We, you know, we get excited about because he might be the third running back on a roster. And like, you know, it's just it's a dry period. And it's not unfortunately the NFL. It's just it's not capable to be played year round like the NHL or NBA or MLB, how they're how they have these huge seasons. I wish that NFL could be like that. But realistically, the tax on these players bodies are are extremely large. So. I'm excited because, hey, we're finally going to be hearing updates about Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, how they're looking. Um, and hopefully, 
we'll have a good period of time where we'll just get really consistent Bears news. I mean, it's a shame, Reese, that we're not able to go to training camp this year. It seems like it's a yearly trip for us down to Bourbonnais. Yeah, I mean, and I know they moved it to uh, Hallis Hall back up in, in Lake Forest, you know, this year, which honestly is a lot more convenient for us, you know, but yeah, Hell yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a shame, it's a shame that we can't can uh, make the trip this year, but I guess that's just the way, you know, these things go and we'll have to watch it from afar and uh, report back to y'all exactly what's going on. And at least we'll start to see, you know, like you said, Trubisky maybe getting, you know, continuing to build those relationships with the wide receivers. You know, how is Nick Foles looking that Bears uniform? It's a it's a great time to get to see, you know, some of these players, you know, for the first time in a Bears jersey, even if it's, you know, those those you know shitty you know practice jerseys don't look look good at all but just to to see them going (laughs) through the motions you know as part of your team is uh it's exciting you know yeah and i guess like something that i'm really looking for this year is just what the national media reporters or actually not national media reporters the the beat reporters are saying about how mitchell trubisky looks because there's been a lot made of his offseason this this year and he obviously has all the pressure on him. And I'm interested to see if that all goes through. And I'm also interested to see if every one of our Bears players shows up. I mean, I think that there is a decent chance that we might have a couple players say that they're not willing to taste, take the risk and they're not willing to play for COVID this offseason. And they don't want to put their family at risk. And honestly, we've mentioned this before. I can't really blame them for that. But before we move into the next topic, I want to tell a little story uh, that Reese and I witnessed down in Bourbonnais. We went down to... Uh, we went down to Bourbonnais. Was this last year or was this two years ago? Damn, we yeah. Went down. Man, I, I want to say it was two years ago. I don't think we went last year. but Yeah, I don't think we went last year because of some timing difficulties. But two years ago, we went down to Bourbonnais. I mean, we make the whole, obviously, from uh, Chicagoland area all the way down to, was that like Southern Illinois? I don't know. It's, a, it's some it's, rural area. It's, it's like, uh, you know, not the you know, discredit the rest of Illinois. It's a little bit south of Chicago, like the Kankakee, Bourbonnais, Bradley area, which, you know, some people in central Illinois will understand what that is a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know what that is because, you know, I've pretty much been, you know, born and raised in Chicago and then now obviously living in Los Angeles, but, um, Bourbonnais is quite the hall. So we make, we make the trip down there. We watch the bears. We, we, we see some uh, some great play. That I, I do believe this was before the 2018 season, and that was very exciting because the 2018 season, I mean, Reese, you predicted it. You said Eddie Jackson is going to be one of your best players on the team. This was obviously before Khalil Mack was traded to the Bears, but Reese said that, that man right there is the best player on your team, and at the moment, he was correct. Eddie Jackson was the best player on the Bears team before Khalil, after Khalil Mack in 2018. Um, but <laughs> funny enough, we went down to one of our favorite burritos places, Moe's Burritos. You know, yeah, if you're in the if you're in the southeast, you probably know a little bit about Moe's, but we only got a couple out here. They just kind of tried to make their way up here. They're not doing great, so they're kind of hard to come by. And we we make we we make it over to Moe's and we see these kids walk in. And we're like, "Hmm, this is this is interesting. They're in Bears jerseys. Nothing. You know, it's nothing irregular because it's in Bourbonnais. It's after training camp. Um, and they're, but they're wearing Marcus Cooper jerseys and everyone, every Bears fan, they know Marcus Cooper, um, because of his infamous, uh, punt, uh, <laughs> punt block that he made a mistake on not getting in the end zone and getting stripped yeah. and, and everything like that. And one of the most confusing half times 
in my existence that I've seen. Um, but we see these kids walking with the Marcus Cooper jerseys, and we're like, who the hell would get their kids Marcus Cooper jerseys? This got to be this got to be child abuse. <laughs> this has got to be uh, someone's not in their right mind unless they got this at like you know Goodwill or something. They're just like, hey, we got a Bears jersey, and then sure enough. Who walks in? Marcus Cooper, and we. Yeah. So we got we got to actually see Marcus Cooper. He he went up to the counter. He ordered his burrito, and guess what? They just brought it right out to him. He didn't. He just went and he sat down at the table after he ordered it. They brought it out to him. They served him, and uh, it was a day. But that that was the that was the day that we met the infamous Marcus Cooper. Yeah, and I think honestly, it's a testament to Moe's, right? That you know a professional athlete would seek out such a fine establishment to dine at, you know, and they honestly gave him the golden mm-hmm. treatment. Like you said, you know, most of us, you know, plebeians have to, you know, wait up there and order our food ourselves <laughs> and then carry it back to our seat. But, you know, they really gave him the treatment and brought it out to him. And, you know, if anything, I guess your main takeaway from the story should be it. Go, if you have a Moe's within, I don't know. 30 miles of you it's worth the trek to go out there and try it you know it's a it's a good switch up from chipotle you know chipotle really doesn't have anything on it so yeah and you know what if i remember correctly i believe they even went to the salsa bar and filled up his salsas for him as well so they're they're just fine they're a fine dining establishment especially if you're a professional athlete for all those many who are listening to our show currently um, we would highly recommend you go and you go and shop at you go and uh, at Moe's because you will not be disappointed, especially if you're bringing your lady there. Because as Marcus Cooper did, I think he even brought his lady and his lady's friend, and I think they probably got it all for free. So go ahead and check that out. But you know, let's move on to the second topic. The NFL so far has not been very receptive to players' concerns about COVID nineteen, and that's really unfortunate to hear because we've seen how much. You know, the NHL and MLB has had to really listen to its players in order to get it into fruition, which is finally going to be coming back pretty soon. Um, But players on Twitter have been actually speaking out about this. I I saw Richard Sherman speak out about it. I saw Patrick Mahomes speak out of it. And, you know, one of the most uh, relevant players to this podcast, Khalil Mack, he actually sent out a tweet saying about how much he wants to play football and how just the NFL's lack of addressing players' concerns has really been difficult for the players. And a lot of people, unfortunately, this is kind of the the situation with the NFL fan base. They view these players as, you know, just go do your job. That seems to be like a, a, a typical, you know, common fan perspective on this, on this, you know, on players. But at the end of the day, they're humans just like you and I. They have concerns about their families just like you and I, and they want to stay safe. To, you know, make sure their family's safe. I mean, you look, you look at Nick Foles. I mean, he just had a new baby with his wife. And I know you can say, Hey, he's going to be paid like $9 million this year, but I mean, nothing can pay for healthiness and happiness of your family, you know? So we need, it's important as NFL fans that we stay understanding about where these players are coming from. And I really hope that. I mean, it sucks because it seems like the NFL is constantly behind in this like player relations department of professional sports, especially when you uh, compare it to like the NBA, who seems to be the best league in in terms of that. I mean, look how long it took. If you if you desire it to, if you believe it's bad or good or whatever, that doesn't matter. But look how long it took for the NFL to get marijuana allowed when. Uh, the NBA, they haven't been drug testing for a, for a very long time, you know? 
Yeah. I think you hit on the moral aspect of it very well. You know, you know, these players have families that they, you know, want to see that they want to make sure are healthy, you know, et cetera, just like the rest of us. But I think also another part that needs to be taken into account too is, you know, their body is basically like their investment. It's like their own business. You know, if you're a, a big name athlete, you're, you're basically a brand, you know, like Patrick Mahomes. And their lungs. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, they're a brand, you know, and uh, they need to protect that. that. You know, they're basically investing in themselves, and, you know, you're not going to do anything that's going to purposely harm that investment. You want it to be as safe and secure as possible. So I think that, you know, they're really acting. And, and people, I understand why people go, you know, because these players are paid, you know, wages that most of us would only dream to make in our lifetime, and, and we'll never even really get close to to making but at the same time you know you know if you were in that situation you'd want the same thing i i firmly believe that and you know it whether it's the moral or the business side whichever one speaks more to you i think that basically the nfl needs to learn that they need to be more responsive and if anything in this whole situation if we have learned anything about this whole you know covid 19 coronavirus crisis is that we need good communication and the nfl has really been lacking on that yeah it seems like they've had all summer they have the longest off season to figure out the exact protocols that's going to put the league in the best position to succeed this year and somehow they seem to not be reaching that and we've talked extensively on this podcast recently about just how detrimental COVID-19 could potentially be on the league. And they've obviously came up with some good ideas as far as preserving revenue with like the whole idea of putting the advertising in the first six rows and, and everything like that. But when you don't address one of the core issues, which is player health, team health, that's a major issue. You do not know where that's going to go. And at the end of the day, you know, 52 sure like there's 90 players i think they they cut that number down slightly i think they did put in a protocol where like it's like 10 players less it might just be 80 this year but okay i mean say say 80 people in a training camp those 80 people let's say they have five family members that they see on a regular basis that multiplies it exponentially let's say that those five people in their families each see five people, you know, just close friends or whatever. And you're, you're getting this much larger pool of individuals. It's easy to say, Hey, it's only, you know, it's only 80 people in a practice. But when you really think of the amount of people that a player sees on a day-to-day basis, and when you even consider going to the store or if their wife is going to the store or if their, you know, their kids are going to see their friends even a little bit, like, the unfortunate part about COVID-19 is it's just so, so contagious. And, you know, if you believe it's a big deal or not, we're not going to argue with that on this podcast. However, we do support that you go out and buy yourself a goddamn mask and wear it in the fucking store so you don't get the rest of us sick. Um, but if you believe it, if you believe it's a good idea or not, or if it's a big deal or not, the fact of the matter is that it's extremely contagious and it is going to take players out for uh for a long period of time you know it's going to take players out for a long period of time it's going to take multiple players out for a long period of time so i have my own concerns about that and honestly as a fan of the nfl as someone who spent you know probably at this point thousands of dollars on merchandise and going to games and you know flags or whatever that may be uh just like my viewership on television to give them ad revenue 
it sucks because I feel like they're not only not serving the players, but by not serving the players, they're also not serving the fans very well. Yeah, and I think what we've seen so far is, you know, as we kind of talked about, you know, a few podcasts back, which, you know, is going to have huge ramifications in the future, is they're already thinking about how much they're going to have to cut the salary cap by. So the NFL has mm-hmm. been addressing the the business side of it, but they failed the players, you know. They failed who are essentially, you know, a lot of the workers in the league. I mean, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that aren't players, aren't playing on the field. But, you know, they're fa- they're failing one of the large group of workers for the whole league. And, you know, in doing so, you're putting the whole league at risk because without the players, there's no game. You know, if, mm-hmm. you know, they can't keep their players healthy then there's going to be nothing to watch, and then the league is going to fail. I mean, the NFL is a huge business, and I'm sure they can, you know, really afford some losses, you know, here and there. But, you know, you can only make so many of these mistakes. You can only push, you know, this problem so far down the road. And, you know, what the NFL has done is they've put, you know, honestly, probably this season at risk in a, a bit by by being so lax and by not having a clear plan in place, or if they have a plan, not communicating it to the teams or to the players. Even though these players are paid so much, it's, it is the NFL's responsibility to keep them safe. You know, it wouldn't be fair to pay, you know, let's just say like a regular employee, a couple million dollars. If his life was at risk every time he, you know, did whatever he did. It's just, you still need to protect the players. And that's the, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, by not protecting the players, by not protecting the workers, you're not protecting the league. And you can have all the, all the revenue ideas you want. But at the end of the day, if football isn't aired, if there isn't a product on the field, or if there isn't an intriguing product to fans, that's a major issue. It's a, it's a major issue. And the thing that sucks is the NFL was in the best position to get this right. They could learn from every single other league how they handled it. Reese, you and I have talked about potential, you know, logical, uh, possible concepts that could happen. Um, that, that could definitely protect the league from COVID outbreaks and such. And it almost seems as if the NFL isn't doing their due diligence to actually even invest, investigate ideas like that. Now, maybe they are behind the scenes. Maybe they have this grand master plan, as you said, Reese, that maybe they're just keeping this behind the scenes for now. They're trying to come up with all the ideas and everything like that. But at the, at the end of the day, it, it, I'm left with a feeling of uncertainty that we're going to be able to see this season as a full, this coming season. And I don't like that as a, as a fan. I don't want to be talking about football, like random storylines on this podcast for the next year because Roger Goodell didn't do his due due diligence with the COVID-19 outbreak. I don't want that to happen. And I'm afraid that, you know, players are going to get to camp. COVID is going to be increasing in all their cities. Players are going to get COVID. Whole teams will get shut down. And we're not going to have a product on the field for next season. And let's remember this, that the NFL is not the boss of COVID. COVID is the boss of the NFL. And we need to remember that wholeheartedly because COVID doesn't answer to anybody. It's not going to magically disappear. It's still going to be an issue. All we can do is manage how how much it impacts the game. And it doesn't seem like the NFL is doing a very good job at thinking forward enough for that. Yeah, you can really only work within, you know, what the situation is giving you. And, 
Yeah, you, you you know you brought up a really good point. You know, the NFL can't really dictate you know how the coronavirus is going to impact the season. They can only really try to minimize its effect. And you know, as of right now, it doesn't really seem like they have too many measures in place to make sure that 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 happens, which is is definitely a worry for you know the status of the season and you know you know what kind of product we're going to get to see on the field. Hundred percent. Absolutely. So let's move on. Let's stop talking about the depressing topics associated with COVID-19. I'm sure all of our fans are already so, you know, they, they probably hear this shit all the time on the news, on everywhere, right? Like it's it's everywhere. Every I mean, day. It's, it's every, every day. day. It affects our yeah. every life. So let's focus on something that's actually our passion, and that's football. Let's talk about the football side of the NFL. And Reese, we did our training camp storylines in our last episode and the ones that we're going to be watching. But today we're going to actually talk about potential surprise training camp cuts. And we each created a list of a couple players that we had on who who could potentially find themselves without a job going into this next coming season. So Reese, why don't you go ahead and give me your first name? Yeah, so my first name is Artie Burns, who was just recently brought in, a former first-round draft pick, former Pittsburgh Steeler, kind of regarded as a bust, but getting his you know next chance with the with the Bears. And the reason why I have him here is really it's no fault of his own. I think that he could come out and perform somewhat decently. I think if he performs very well, he's not going to see himself cut. But if he performs you know, somewhat decently in camp, but yet some of these you know younger rookies that they brought in. You know, we talked about last last podcast just how deep the Bears are at the, uh, you know, DB position, especially at cornerback. You know, if they come out and perform well, you know, the Bears are definitely going to stick with some of these younger players they picked up in the draft or an undrafted free agency. And Artie Burns could find himself, you know, back on the street. You know, not really completely because he didn't perform well, but just because. You know, they're players that the Bears want to keep in the system and really kind of want to build them, you know, and groom themselves. Yeah, Artie Burns is someone that I could see either being one of the Bears' best free agency moves this past offseason or, you know, one that's not going to make an impact whatsoever. And it's he's just kind of a boomer bust candidate. So I could absolutely see Artie Burns on the street. I considered adding him to my list, but I'm going to start this off with Javon Wims. Um, Wims, you know, he's made impact in 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 some decent he's made a decent impact during important parts of games but with a wide receiver room that's just so crowded and like we we have tons of options there i think we have really eight competent players currently that's probably going to need to be cut down to about six i'm worried about javon wins and it's unfortunate because he's someone who i've always rooted for and it seems like he's been kind of a fan favorite um, during training camp, but we saw how uh, fan favorite Tanner Gentry turned out for the Bears. I mean, he's he's out of he's out of the league currently, I believe, and he's uh, definitely doesn't have a roster spot with the Bears going into this offseason. So, would not surprise me if Javon Wims finds himself uh, on, on unemployed after this offseason. Yeah, and I had Javon Wims as well, and you know, it's always good to see players perform well in training camp and shine in training camp and. You know, you get to see him perform well in certain drills and all that. And like you said, Javon Wims has had, you know, a few, you know, moments in the sun where he's played well at times and in certain games over the three years that he's been on the Bears. But that's kind of the issue, too, though, is he's had three years and hasn't really been able to make it stick. 
hasn't really been able to prove why he needs to be out in the field consistently. You know, hasn't given, you know, Matt Nagy a reason to put him out there, you know, all the time. Make sure that he's someone that needs to get the ball on every Sunday or Monday or Thursday night, whichever it is. And, you know, I think that's an issue that spells trouble for him. You know, you know, the Bears brought in Ted Ginn Jr. You know, they have Riley Ridley that, you know, wants to get his shot. You know, they're very deep at the wide receiver position. It's kind of the same rationale that I use for Artie Burns, you know. It's a spot where they're deep and they're going to want to keep the people that they, you know, believe in and, and trust the most. And, you know, I think Javon Wims could already have a, a foot out the door. And another issue, you know, is that he hasn't necessarily been someone that's like huge on special teams. You know, one of the reasons why a player like Cordell Patterson, I think, would end up staying on the roster, not only is his ability on the offensive side of the ball at the wide receiver position, but also because he's a return specialist as well. So he has value beyond the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Javon Wims, I know fan favorite, but it seems like he is definitely in. And, you know, it seems like even last season he was in danger of possibly losing his job, but he held on. But I have another wide receiver that we might be a little bit surprised to possibly see cut, and that's Ted Ginn Jr., Ted Ginn, he's definitely showed a lot over his NFL career. He's, uh, I highly respect him. Ohio State product, um, Ted Ginn. Um, funny enough, my uncle actually, um, he actually coached him at Ohio State or, or was on, he was coaching with Ohio State while he was on the team. But I mean, it just, Ted Ginn Jr., he hasn't been the most productive in the past two years of his career. He had a relatively, you know, decent season last year. I think he put up like 700 yards, but he was really boomer bust throughout those 700 yards. And, you know, at this time, the Bears need him most currently. He needs to perform. And if he doesn't perform during training camp, I don't think that the Bears would hesitate to move on from him. He's on a veteran minimum contract, if I remember correctly. And this entire situation just kind of reminds me of the whole Victor Cruz situation in 2017 for the Bears, where, you know, it was a little bit of a splash signing in a way where you get a big name guy, but that's maybe a little bit washed up than from his prime. And they ultimately end up just cutting him and move on with the day. But Ted Ginn Jr., I hope he can be what we need and what we're missing and what Taylor wasn't for us. But I don't know, man. I think there's a solid opportunity that he might get cut this year. Yeah, with Ted Ginn Jr., I'd be a a lot more excited if this was like four years ago and they brought him in. And, And not that he hasn't been producing, but I think that we started to see, you know, Ted Ginn's always been someone that's had elite speed and, uh, you know, ability to to get away from defenders. You know, he's been able to been used on, like, plays like end arounds or jet sweeps. So he's a pretty versatile player. But, you know, kind of on the back half of his career now, he started to see some of the weaknesses of his game really kind of shine through. Or at least, you know, at least his elite speed isn't, like, covering them up anymore. You know, last year with New Orleans... I know a lot of Saints fans kind of said good luck to the Bears when they got him because he was dropping a lot of passes and really just kind of became a liability, someone that Drew Brees didn't really trust or Teddy Bridgewater didn't really trust when they are passing on the ball. So I think if that shines through in, yeah, it, which, if that shines through in camp, if Ted Ginn is not catching a lot of the balls, then I think he could very quickly see himself, you know, in the exact same position as, you know, as you brought up as Victor Cruz where you know, he was in for, you know, the off season. you know, people thought he had some potential, got excited about him, but, you know, ultimately decided to move on from him. So I would not be surprised to see, you know, Ted Ginn 
you know, leave. So I'll get into my next player, which is Ladarius Mack, which, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, as an undrafted free agent, I think it's tough to say, like, oh, I'll be surprised. Hot take, Grease, hot take. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I guess, you know, as Cleo Mack's brother, I almost feel like in a, in a strange nepotism way that he has a, a, you know, a little bit of an edge up on some other players just because he is Cleo Mack's brother, you know. Maybe they're a little more inclined to keep him on the team. But, you know, at that edge, you know, the Bears do have depth. I mean, I guess, you know, it's good to have a strong rotation of players. But if he doesn't show that he really has an ability to stand out himself and isn't just riding out on his name. And I know that at Buffalo, which is also where Khalil Mack went, I know that at Buffalo, you know, Ladarius Mack did stand out and he was good in his own right. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that he needs to come out and prove himself and prove that he is actually someone that, you know, is actually a worthy asset to this Bears defense. I'm going to move forward and pretend I know what nepotism means, but my next player is Duke Shelley. Um, he's he's someone who the Bears drafted in the fifth round. Um, and I liked him coming out of college, but I do, I am a little bit concerned with the, the just the fact that it's a crowded locker room at this position like Duke Shelley he's he's he showed a lot of talent and, and a lot of different traits but he he is playing the slot wide or the slot and I mean we have Buster Scrine we have um Kendall Vildor who can play that position Kendall Vildor can also play outside cornerback he, he might be a little small to do that but he can he can do both so Duke Shelley just from a crowdedness perspective it seems like he could be on the chopping block and you know even on the other hand when you think about Buster Scrine he really owns that position currently but if one of these young players really stands out they might be apt to actually let him go and kind of let the uh the young players take the reins which I think even saying that the fact that you know Buster Scrine you know he's I don't not very likely, but as a remote cut candidate, just because of you know even Kevin Tolliver too, you know, is someone that could mm-hmm. play that that nickelback role. So you know, there's such, it's such a crowded room that someone like Duke Shelley that has had a chance to prove himself, you know, and hasn't really stood out, you know, he has a shot to make it, you know, work this training camp. But at the same time, like it's such it's going to be a very tough competition. You know, someone is going to have to go. And it's going to be unfortunate that they might have to let go of someone that actually has some some really good talent and something to bring to this team, but they have so many people that can can bring something positive. I mean, the fact that Buster Scrine could even be showed up by some of these youngins is just crazy. So I, I think you know saying that Duke Shelley could be on his way out isn't anything radical at all. And I'm just, it seems like we've constantly hammered on the fact of just how deep this cornerback core is. I mean, it seems like it's kind of crazy how well it's transformed over this past offseason. It seemed like in the beginning of the offseason, we were kind of like, we don't really know who's going to do well, what and if we have any good depth options. But at the end of the day, Ryan Pace did a hell of a job rounding out this cornerback core. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's almost he almost did too much. He, you know, he went like extra. But I think it's going to be an unbelievable strength it's almost just the icing on on the cake right you know the bears have a great you know front seven already which as as we've talked about in you know depth is almost more important than you know the back four the secondary or the back five you're running a nickel package whatever you know the 
you know, your front seven can kind of dictate it. They put pressure on the quarterback and help cover up the weaknesses, you know, if you have a weak secondary or a secondary that's not amazing. But when you can also build onto that with that great edge rush, that great, you know, run stop, if you can build put on top of that a great secondary, you know, some great DBs, then, you know, you're you're the money. You know, you're just you almost it's gonna be really tough for, you know, F offenses to scheme and try to find a way around you when you really have no weaknesses. Yeah, and it just gives us a really good opportunity to, to de- develop some young talent to, at the end of the day, take over possibly Kyle Fuller's position when he inevitably moves on from the Bears um, due to salary cap constraints that we might have in the future. But what I also like about the Bears cornerback core is just how little money we actually have invested in it. Really, the only player that's on a solid contract is Kyle Fuller, and I believe he's only making like $14 million, which isn't a whole bunch. I mean, compare this to Miami where they have two big-name cornerbacks with Byron Jones and uh Xavier Howard excuse me um where where they're both making I think over 17 million dollars a year it's really impressive to just see how good this cornerback core has gotten and I just I really like that Ryan Pace has invested most of the money up front because those guys you can't really cycle in and out as easily as you can with cornerbacks so I, I think at the end of the day there's a solid amount of players just across this roster that could be surprising cuts it's this team has really gotten to I mean it's crazy thinking back to like 2017 2016 where this team has been and where it is at now because this team really has so much depth that there's very few positions that you can really you there's very few positions where a starter just like is at and like going to maintain their job for sure in the future for a long period of time it's just a testament to Ryan Pace and how good of a job he has done as the Bears GM. But let's go ahead and move on to a topic that I think all Bears fans have pondered for the past 35 years. <laughs> almost 40. Yeah, almost yeah, almost 40 years now. It's just scary. <laughs> almost 40 years. What needs to happen for the Chicago Bears to reach the Super Bowl? And before we get into this, Reese, you and I have talked extensively just about how really this year, it's going to be a really weird year if we end up even playing a Super Bowl or if we play a Super Bowl on time because teams are going to get probably have be impacted by COVID-19 in one way or another. The How the NFL has played is impacted already. There's not going to be fans in the stadium. So that's going to be really interesting, really weird. And it's pretty much... I think whoever wins the Super Bowl this year is going to be a weird team. I don't think it's going to be a standard team that we think. I don't think it's going to be, you know, the 49ers or the the Baltimore Ravens, teams that were good last year. I think it's going to be kind of an odd team. And, you know, I've mentioned in the past that I don't think it's out of the question for the Chicago Bears to win the Super Bowl in 2020. Because it's just the situation we're in is just such an oddity that really I can't. I mean, hell, I can't even say the Browns won't win or the Bengals won't win it. Yeah, it's going to be crazy for sure. I think for the Bears to win, you know, this upcoming Super Bowl, I think that honestly, you know, the boring side of it is the defense needs to keep doing what they're doing. I think even last year in 2019, I think the Bears defense played phenomenal and played more than well enough to, you know, at least be. A, t- a defense, a, a unit that could, you know, be on a Super Bowl team. So I think that a lot of it falls on, you know, probably getting some good special teams plays here and there, you know, a little bit of explosions, some of those 
ultimately sometimes special teams can be like that difference in tight games where you're just kind of going back and forth, you know, some of those, you know, gritty games where you're playing and jockeying for field position back and forth. So a couple explosive plays on, on special teams and then also striking some balance on the offensive side of the ball, incorporating some more of those plays that set up, you know, that set up play action. So running the football and being dedicated to running the football. No more, you know, last year what we saw with Nagy where, you know, we go games where it just seemed like he would not want to run the football at all, even if the passing game was not going at all. And then, you know, if we are able to run the ball more effectively, it helps set up play action. You know, I think even incorporating a little bit more RPO on the offensive side of the ball is really just going to free up a lot more space and allow the Bears to get the ball in the hands of, you know, their most dangerous players. I think that that's something big. I think the Bears need to go out there and start probably hitting some more home run plays. And I think that they can try to do it the Patriots way and, you know, like you said, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. But I think they also need to, you know, have that threat and ability to, if they need to, like, you know, be able to make those big chunk plays and score quickly in like a two-minute drill. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, those are all extremely valid points. The the list that I had, I'm going to read it off in full, is that the run game needs to dominate. We, I mean, you talked extensively about that and what you just said, Reese, is, David Montgomery needs to be better. Nagy needs to be better. The offensive line needs to be better as a whole. And the run game needs to be dominant. I think we've seen the reemergence of the run game, as we've talked about extensively in the in this podcast, and just how important the run game actually is cannot be underemphasized in Matt Nagy's offense. The next one I had is the offensive line needs to become a top 10 unit again. Jermaine and Fetty, you, you better be playing damn well. You, you better be playing damn well because if you're not, we're not going to the Super Bowl. And I'm sorry to inform all Bears fans, but we are a little bit, we are a little bit, uh, limited by that if he does not play well. And then finally, I said Nick Foles or Trubisky. I'm not going to throw Trubisky out of the conversation yet. I've had a little bit, a smidge bit of hope reemerge for him. He need, they need to throw at least 30 touchdowns. Whoever is the starting quarterback, they need to throw 30 touchdowns. And I'm going to say at minimum, at most 10 interceptions. Yeah, I think that, you know, of course, most of the improvement needs to happen on the offensive side of the ball. I think that, you know, getting better production on the passing game, too, is also crucial. I mean, they need to to strike a better balance, and they need to be dedicated and become dominant running the football and make defenses fear that so they're not just stacking the box, you know, which was a huge issue last year. But also, you know, the ability to throw the ball over the top, you know, I feel like Trubisky became so predictable last year. It seemed like we were always throwing the ball. It was either within like five to ten yards. We never even saw any passes that really went for fifteen yards, and you know, rarely anything for twenty-five plus. So they really need to start to stretch the field. I think in general, the Bears need to utilize, you know, the width and length of the field a little bit better. One strange thing I noticed about Nagy's offense. Yeah, I think that one strange thing I've noticed about Nagy's offense. Over his first couple of years, is just that sometimes we're running plays to the short side of the field, which, you know, I guess, you know, it keeps the defense on edge. But I think that at the same time, we need to utilize the space a little bit better. Like you said, spreading the field out. It's just something in modern football that makes sense, makes defense have to cover more of the field. And if they are dropping into zone, you know, it creates more holes in zone. If you're playing man to man, it gives, you know, if Trubisky wants to scramble, you know, and you're spreading the field out a little bit more, he can just, he has even more avenues to run through. So 
I think that just incorporating and tweaking this offense and, and opening it up a little bit is going to be absolutely crucial and, you know, generating some some good offensive production, scoring some points, and, and staying on the field for a little bit. Way too many three and outs last year. Yeah, unfortunately, way too many three and outs. That seems to be the story of Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky in 2019. We need to see definitely a lot of change offensively. And I think at the end of the day, what can really sum it up is just we need to see Matt Nagy become a more competent and confident play caller because it didn't seem like he was either in 2019. And I think that this year is going to be really indicting or, you know, it may glamorize Matt Nagy as well because we're really going to find out if Mitch Trubisky was the full cause of all the offensive ineptitude in 2019 or what the core issue was. It's difficult to discern why Matt Nagy made some of the play calling choices he he was. He was making in 2019, but um I think that this year we will we will really see if Nick Foles can change that. Now Matt Nagy looked like a hell of a better play caller when he was play calling with Chase Daniel, a quarterback he knew. So maybe it was Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe he just didn't have the faith he felt he needed to in his quarterback, but it's it's Nick Foles's now Nick Foles is with the Bears. We have another quarterback and we have a quarterback that Matt Nagy was able to pick out himself. So this year is really going to be telling on that, but hopefully in a perfect world, either Trubisky will improve mightily or Nick Foles will take over the reign and we can finally see Matt Nagy confidently play calling the Bears and have an accurate evaluation on him. Yeah, in a way, it just seemed like, you know, in 2018 that, you know, Nagy didn't like struggle enough. You know, there wasn't like enough adversity that he went through. And, and when the offense was sputtering, the defense was almost always there to save the day and win the games for him by, you know, you know, pick sixes, fumble recoveries for touchdowns, giving them amazing field position. And then last year in 2019, when, you know, things weren't really quite going their way, it just seemed like Nagy didn't really quite know how to get things back on track. And things always just kind of seemed to sputter out. And it was just, it, it just kind of seemed like dominoes were falling and they couldn't, he couldn't really stop the negative momentum. So I, I think that, you know, him getting that back on track, you know, whether or not it's Foles or Trubisky, right? I mean, that's still a question mark. So we basically just have to stick to that narrative. You know, if it's Foles or Trubisky, it just needs to be, you know, better, you know, more thorough, more confident play calling. I, I think confidence is a huge issue, and I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I, if you're not confident in your play calling, then it just kind of transcends to the offense, right? You know, then they're kind of not really playing with, like, that kind of, you know, vigor that you need to go out there and execute with. So I think that plays a huge part of it. Absolutely. And ultimately, I'm just I'm excited to see. Well, I'm hoping we see the Bears first, but if we do, I'm excited to see how this Mad Nagy offense looks in 2020. I think we've done a lot in the offseason to, you know, address some of our concerns. We've made some personnel changes. We finally have high quality tight ends on the roster and Mad Nagy is a lot less. Mad Nagy has a lot less, you know, excuses to be made. And that's just what it is at the end of the day. And, you know, I'm confident that as a Bears fan, if it's Matt Nagy, if it's Nick Foles, I don't know. But going into next season, we're going to have, we're going to be better. We're going to be better in 2021. And I, it seems like it's the motto of the Bears, be better the year after the current year. But ultimately, I'm excited to see what comes about it. But any final comments, Reese? 
No, I, I think you summed it up pretty well. I think that, you know, as Bears fans, we're always optimistic about the uh, the year coming up. I think it's just the spirit of, you know, this time of year, honestly, I think at you know, around training camp time, the Bears hype really starts to build. And honestly, even though baseball is usually being played at this time, and, you know, we're a huge baseball city, we love the Cubs, and there's a lot of Sox fans out there, you know, once the Bears start practicing, once training camp hits, it's the Bears, you know, time to shine. You know, it's definitely a Bears city, and, you know, everyone tries to get excited and pumped up about the year ahead. So, you know, of course that's the motto, but, you know, it's something that we, you know, we can try to carry forward and and look forward to. I mean, it's not, it's never fun to, you know, be all down and out on the team. You want to think that they're going to go out there and, and improve you right and, you know, make you happy as a fan and proud to be a fan. So, you know, let's stick with that. I want to try to stay optimistic about this Bears team and about this offense mostly. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Bear Necessities Podcast. You guys have been doing a great job supporting us. If, we, if you listened this far, we ask you for one favor, and that's please send us to any of your Bears fans or bears friends who listen to podcasts if everyone on the podcast sent us to you know two of their friends or three of their friends it would help us grow tremendously and it would just help us long term be able to upgrade equipment for you guys and overall put out a better quality product for you guys a lot of you know what we will earn on this podcast in the future is going to go right back into the podcast trying to make the listening experience better for you looking to upgrade some equipment so we'd appreciate if you can just Please do that. And another thing you could do that helps us tremendously is leaving us a rating and review. We've seen a large uptake in our fans and listeners leaving us ratings and reviews. And we've also seen, you know, our YouTube grow a lot. And if you haven't checked it out, check that out. Go ahead and check that out as well. Bear Necessities podcast on YouTube. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Bear Necessities podcast. And Reese, you seem like you have one last comment to make. Yeah. Yeah, make sure you guys go out and check out your local Moe's. It's a fine eatery. So uh, that's my my uh, leaving message for y'all. We are not sponsored by Moe's, unfortunately. But Moe's, if you're interested and you happen to be listening to your this podcast, please reach out to us. Bear down, guys.